And good morning, everybody. Welcome to FSU Coach Live. My name is Tim Baghurst, and I'm joined today by a former student of mine, which is kind of fun. Jacoby Smith is joining me. Jacoby, thanks so much. If you wouldn't mind, just tell us a little bit about your history, where you grew up, how you got into wrestling, your collegiate career, and kind of where you're going from here. Uh, how are you guys? Um, so I'm Jacoby, and I'm from Muskogee, a little town in Oklahoma, pretty much. And uh, well, I got introduced into wrestling. Um, I had some high school coaches that uh, saw potential in me running track and uh, decided that I should try uh, let my talents uh, switch over from track to wrestling. And uh, yeah, they pretty much kept me from skipping practices. And if I did, they helped notify my parents and uh, pretty much let them know whenever I was doing what I had to be done. And uh, if it wasn't getting done, then they let my parents know. So uh, shout out to my high school coaches, Dan Jefferson and Shay Jefferson for keeping me in wrestling and uh, introducing me to that, in fact. And, uh, but um, yeah, the road of wrestling uh, that got me to Oklahoma State, it was tough, hard. I mean, I went through some crazy stuff. And uh, I'm sure we'll get into the details of that throughout this interview. But um, I, I would say uh, my my dad and my high school coaches is what got me through into Oklahoma State College wrestling. When when you look at you said you started in, in track. What was it in track that? coaches saw would make you a good wrestler that's kind of weird right going from track to wrestling well I think it was in the way that I ran uh, I had no form <laughs> it looked like I was expending too much energy all in the wrong places but I mean I was still kind of fast so uh they I think they automatically seen athlete and uh start working on sharpening the tools learning how to shoot a couple of shots and takedowns and stuff like that. And I mean, it was actually some of the funnest stuff, like as I was learning with some of my greatest experiments when it comes to wrestling. So one of my, one of my fun experiences was we went to the big 12 tournament, my family and, and, and I, and my son, one of my sons was watching and, and he saw you and, and uh, he saw you kind of, either turning somebody into a pretzel or being turned into a pretzel. And he was yeah. like, daddy, I, I don't want to do wrestling at all. So I, I kind of wonder what was it, how old were you when you started wrestling and what was it about wrestling that you loved? Because it's, it's a unique sport. And I think it takes a, a lot of mental toughness to, to kind of be put in painful situations. Yeah. Uh, so I started when I was uh, about, 12 years old, I think, I want to say. So, so what, however old you are in seventh grade. Started in seventh grade and uh, got pretty into it once. Uh, so I started off pretty good, and then I lost a match to some tall, skinny, white kid that looked like nothing, pretty much. <laughs> I just – I decided I needed to put my, my life's work into uh, being able to figure out how to beat – like the best people at this and right then and there I decided or I, I didn't decide I, it was like a 
a personal experience that this isn't a chess game. This is definitely something like a checkers game. So, so you didn't like, I, I think what you're saying is you didn't like losing. And you yeah, said I didn't like something about that. Like, I thought I was just born with a silver spoon. Like, uh, I was like Achilles pretty much. Nobody could stop me, no weaknesses. But uh, he found it that day and that pushed the, that little fire under my butt and started working on the craft from there on out. Now you're, you're kind of growing up experiences. Um, what kind of, was it, was it easy to get a scholarship? Was it easy to go to OSU? Um, given the fact that it's fairly close to where you grew up, but at the same time, OSU is a, you know, a, a national contender every year. The standards are very high. What was it like being recruited or, or, maybe not being recruited and getting into Oklahoma State? Uh, for me, it was basically like a dream come true. And, you know, like you get those dreamers where they want it to happen now or uh, those dreamers where it is happening now and some of them they could have waited or whatever. But uh, it's like my was falling out. As soon as I visualized wrestling at Oklahoma State, which was my sophomore year in high school, it's like I went to work, like a, a motor started in me that the only way it could shut down is if once I got there to Oklahoma State. So, like, I started going to big tournaments and winning them, and Coach Smith would be there watching, and that pretty much, I think my location pretty much helped. So let find my spot in at Oklahoma State. When when we talk about recruiting, I've I've interviewed a lot of coaches and talk about their recruiting methods. How did Coach Smith recruit you? We'll talk about him in a little bit, but what was how did he approach you? And you know what what did he say or do to convince you that yeah, Oklahoma State's the place I want to go? Uh, it wasn't Coach Smith that necessarily convinced me. Uh, okay, what convinced me is uh. I was watching a video my sophomore year, a highlight video of Jordan Oliver, and it was pretty dope. Uh, it was about the length of a song, so they had a song edited out in the background. And, uh, one part of this song said something about bringing the world to your knees, and as he said that he was locking up a cradle and pretzeling some guy's head up next to his knees, and it's just like... Like, I, I wanted that. I wanted to feel that. I wanted to go through that experience, and I just wanted to live it. And from my sophomore year on, I just knew I was going to be a cowboy. And, and eventually it ended up happening, but uh, there were detours in the way. I didn't transfer right out of high school to OSU. So, Can you can you talk a little bit about that, those detours? What, what was going on? So... Uh, a lot of people didn't think I qualified through the clearinghouse to go D1 right out of high school because okay. I went to a JUCO. Mm -hmm. And uh, Coach Schmidt, me and Coach Schmidt made a deal because pretty much I couldn't afford the scholarship that I was offered from him. Um, so I let him know and he said he would work with me. So we made a deal for me to go to NEO, get my academics taken care of and win a national title. So I ended up holding up my end of the bargain on half of that. I won a national title. 
but halfway through the semester, I didn't go back to school. Like I dropped out all my classes and stuff. So then- Why, well, can I ask why? So I was having a lot of family problems back home. Didn't really have a way to like, uh, to communicate back and forth. And so whenever like I would get a call, like something bad was going on at home or something, I would go there and stay home just, mm -hmm due to the lack of my family not being comfortable without me. You, you've had kind of a difficult path to where you are today. And, you know, you kind of came through Oklahoma State, you're now graduated. What, what would you say helped you accomplish that? Because a lot of people, and, you know, we see it all the time, maybe they go to community college, or maybe they even go to college, and they last one or two years and kind of burn out or quit or it's too hard and you know they, they can give all the excuses in the world you could have said the same thing where most people would have said oh jacoby he's he's not going he's not going back to school that's it he's done he's he's not going to pursue his dreams he's not going to achieve what what he's capable of yeah. why how did you do that how did you accomplish what you have what kept me going was the fact of knowing that I had every, when it came to the athleticism side or just competing in the sports side of it, going to college, like I had every tool that I needed to be successful. Like it felt like everything was like falling into place for me. But when it comes to being entitled to stuff, like uh, athletes think they're entitled to being successful just because of how athletic they are. Mm -hmm. I knew if I just put in the work in this craft or in this sport that just putting in a little work towards something that I would be successful. So I had to translate my wants over to um, academics once this this thing hit me, once the situation hit me. Mm -hmm. And I started learning how to uh, prioritize and uh basically understand what i'm going to need to graduate and what would happen if i went through an injury and i didn't have education so i sat down and broke this situation down worst case to best case and i decided that i needed to put time and education like i did into my craft of wrestling mm -hmm. so i matched them some some people who are athletes will say that that in many ways sports save them. Is is that something you would say? For sure. Um, just because of how uh, I don't want to sound biased, but I feel like wrestling is the toughest sport or one of the toughest sports. And it's not just literally; it's not teaching you about how to be tough in the sport, but you learn lifestyle situations and lessons and. Uh, it just kept me knowing that I was always able to fight no matter how, how down or how bad the situation is. I mean, like being relating to like a child that just did something and know their consequences, like they just got in trouble and know their consequences. Like, you know what you have to do or what, when you're done, you have to answer to somebody. And I feel like 
I needed to translate that over from being like, once you win the fight, you get your hand raised and that's over with to um, having my degree and being able to open up more tunnels or pathways for me to do stuff just in case an injury did happen. Mm. Luckily for me, I, I prepared myself for what I had to go through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, we'll talk about injuries. We'll talk about injuries in a little bit. Talk then, you you kind of got through high school, you got through your community college experiences, your JUCO. You're now at OSU, and so now you've made it, right? Now you're going to be the starter. Now you're going to be the national champion. Is that what you thought? Is that what happened? Yeah, so I definitely thought I was going to be a national champ going into Oklahoma State, uh, but that is definitely not what happened. Uh, <laughs> I, it was like night and day. So transferring from a JUCO to a D1, I definitely, it was a rude awakening for me. I mean, my first year going into Oklahoma State, I had a, a flawless uh, record, went undefeated, taken out two or three All-Americans from that year. But mm-hmm. then the next year I came into my season actually starting and then the pressure hits and it's different. When you're the starter, everyone's relying on you and you have all these responsibilities on top of getting school out of the way to be comfortable enough to handle the stress of wrestling. So um, I feel like uh, I definitely had working that at, in, in those areas of um, just handling that was just what I felt like I needed to do. When you you, you kind of went through your first year very successful, mm-hmm. what was it like? Like, how did you respond or deal with that first time that you lost? So uh, I kind of deal with my losses like I'm I'm angry about it, but like there's always more you could have done. So like, don't hold yourself down in the dumps. Like, mm-hmm. hold yourself more accountable. Like, do more, do the extra. And I'm not a lazy athlete by any means, but mm-hmm. when I find myself in situations where you could do more or like you're finished with your workouts and everybody's leaving and going to shower like I'm gonna go shower too and go home and get some rest instead of doing that little extra so I had to transfer help myself out of that habit and always do a little more even if it's just one percentage day and those percentages added up throughout the years and paid off for me a lot of people who who are watching now or in future may not be too familiar with wrestling. And in honesty, before I came to OSU, I wasn't too familiar with wrestling. But one of the the challenges that you experience is is handling diet and controlling your weight. Talk a little bit about the the challenges associated with that. And I should mention, if you are watching live, if you have questions for Jacoby, just put them in your chat box and, and we'll get them to him. But, but yeah, talk about that, the, the controlling diet, because it's not easy. In fact, it's probably the hardest thing you do, isn't it? Yeah, it's definitely the hardest because, well, first of all, you, you got to control that diet to be in a weight 
Mm-hmm. Some people that's actually your size because everybody is cutting at least, I say, 20 pounds of what they actually weigh. How many? 20 pounds. So let's say I start mm-hmm. off at 180 pounds. If I'm going to wrestle for a Division One, I'm easily cutting off 20 pounds to even compete. So I'll be wrestling at like 160. And and I think we should mention that when you say 20 pounds off your weight, this isn't 20 pounds of Tim's weight where he could probably lose 30 anyway. Maybe. This is 20 pounds off what you should be already. Yeah. After doing two a days for months, right. body's already fit. Then losing 20 more pounds on top of that. So luckily I didn't have to go through that. <laughs> But because uh, I have such low percent of body fat, so um, my coaches accommodated for me and we did body fat tests to see what exactly I could do. But, I mean, we go through the grind and uh, missing out that food and stuff for so long and then getting down. And once you are down to your weights and you may wait, and then once you can eat, it's, you get the habit of wanting what you want. So no matter what it is or how it tastes or how bad it is for you, I mean, you just did all this work. You feel like you want to go back and re- reward yourself with something sweet mm-hmm. or something that you shouldn't have instead of eating something healthy, you know? Like yeah. You know, habits, and then it goes overboard because you starved yourself for about two days and then you just binge eat. Instead of having one one portion or one serving size, you're like, man, I'm going to eat as much as I can before I have to start cutting this weight again. And then it falls in line week after week. And then it's just like you got to find a way to balance out your nutrients and stuff. Mm. Thank you, Lord. I had uh, my wife, who's a dietitian. So that helped me out big time. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> and somebody watching you, right? I bet. Uh, did you did you find your weight fluctuate at all, whether in competition and out of competition, or in season and out of season, or do you try to regulate it, just keep within a certain range the entire year? Uh, yeah, so I try to regulate mine and keep stay around ten to fifteen pounds over instead of the whole twenty. But mm-hmm. I mean that five pounds helps tremendously, but. Um, my body weight fluctuates. So once I start working out two or three times a day, I'll start losing weight. So I'll lose about 10 pounds right there. And then mm-hmm. once I'm in shape, I won't have to lose as much as everybody else because I've leaned up mm-hmm. just for doing more activities and doing more stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so I'll end up having to cut, what, seven pounds compared to somebody else's 15 or 16, you know? then that's all due to the uh, differences in body fat. Now, you're a college wrestler. You've had your first season. You go into your second season, and, and you start to kind of – people start hunting you, so to speak, as you, as you kind of talked about. Uh, talk a little bit about the, the challenges of you're on a team. You earn team points, but at the same time, you're really wrestling for yourself. You're trying to be an All-American. You're trying to be a national champion. And unlike some sports where it's the course of a season, really your season is just to get a good seed going into the NCAA championships. 
Can you can you talk a little bit about the NCAA championships and and what that feels like knowing that you know essentially I've got to wrestle all these all these other competitors and if I lose really that's it there's going to be only one champion and it's going to come down to me and this person over the next you know 9 minutes yeah so absolutely um everybody's training for the that seed you want to get nice seeds but Ultimately, I mean, anything can happen. For example, uh, my first year going into nationals, I didn't get a, a top eight seed, which is the mm-hmm. All-American side of seeds. So I had to go through some tougher opponents earlier and throughout the brackets, which ended up uh, faring out for me pretty nice my first year going to the tournament because I'm All-American. But uh, speaking from the other side, uh, my senior year I went again and uh, I had a pretty good seed, and I was seeded seven, uh, expected to All-American, and uh, having a breakdown and not All-American. And once you lose, knowing that it's over, like understanding like that I made people feel like that in situations and knowing, knowing you got to conduct yourself properly for the organization or the school that you're wrestling for, just everything that you could think is, is accountable in the situation you get to thinking about. And then once everything's died down, you have time to think about what was done wrong. And the main thing about that tournament you have to be prepared for is being knowing that your body is going to be tired and wanting to give up on you, but pushing through. It's not about who's the freshest or who's because everybody's going to be getting banged up and beat up and everybody's body is going to be worn down. It's just uh, the mental part of it. If you can get yourself through the mental part of it, pretty much. You you know, just, I think, I think what you're trying to say is this tournament kind of sucks. It's horrible for everybody. And, and I think watching, watching you compete and, and watching the, the NCAA championships, one of the things that, that I noticed that really was horrible is if you're competing in this draw, you lose, you still have to compete to, yeah. to find your place and provide team points. And, and, you know, just mentally, I think that would be really, really hard knowing that you're out of the national championship running, but you still have to give your best against someone else who also is out of the running who also has to give your best. And it's like, are you in this position of like, I wish I wasn't here. Why are we doing this? Yeah. Well, once you get in those situations, it's to a point where you're like, I know I can't be the champ, but I definitely got something to prove. Like, and with me, what I have to prove is even though I lost that person that beat me, didn't take my spirit away. I don't have an attitude. Mm -hmm my my vibes or my emotions towards anybody else if they came and tried to approach me about anything besides the fact of me wrestling or anything that I could still conduct myself as a positive individual mm-hmm. not like my life just ended or my life is over like I actually feel on the inside you know so you got to learn to cope and understand how to sh- juggle your emotions quickly like because as soon as you lose and you coming off the mat you got fans like that got real questions like 
how how are you feeling and stuff like that or where are you i'm getting? sure the response is please don't talk to me right now i mean you got to figure out what you're going to do or how you're going to act in them in those moments and i mean i chose to conduct myself and properly and respectfully and talk like mm. i want to talk like if you have questions i'm here mm. right now i mean what happened just happened everybody's seeing the world seeing and now you're gonna see how it affected me like it didn't affect me how you think or, mm. like i'm showing those growing up the the little children that look up to me that there's more to just to wrestling than just winning or um, yeah. or handling a situation like if something don't go your way to be a a, a a mad a mad bug all day about it or something like that you know different ways to handle stuff or bring other stuff in to block out the, the hurt you know got a question for you and it's from a guest who will be on next week uh, she's a wrestler and also a wrestling coach hi jacoby did you have a dedicated training partner keeping close to your standard level to ensure you meet your goals. Every top wrestler needs a dedicated training partner, right? Yes. So who's your go-to in the team? Uh, so I have about four or five. Uh, when you're at a big school like Oklahoma State, you get the luxury of having more than just some one or two per people that give you good feels. Mm -hmm. So, um, I had about four or five good partners, and I say if I had to choose one out of all of them, uh, my main partner was Joe Smith, and uh, that's Coach Smith, the head coach's son, pretty much. Let's let's talk a little bit about Coach Smith because he's somebody I admire greatly, and and actually taught a class pro bono pro bono for me. Uh, what's it like being in a position where you're being coached by somebody who's been there and done it? one of the, the greatest wrestlers in history, a Hall of Fame, gold medal winner at the Olympics, two times actually, you know, multiple national championships. You come into that program and you're looking at somebody like, oh my gosh, this guy's a legend. How do you, how do you live up to that standard? What was it like being coached by him, I guess? Obviously you, you want to mirror that. You want to mirror what he did and, you have every intention and your thoughts is like that, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but then you get in a situation where you're you're banged up or something it's not going right with school or something like that. I can only see being a problem with uh, Coach Smith and an athlete ever conflicting. And uh, when I got in those situations or those moments, I would think to being tough because mm -hmm. that's what he installed in us. Uh, he's like hard and old school, tough. Everything we get, we're gonna work hard for it, and we don't want we don't want it no easy way. Like even if like we're standing here and the goal is to get this rope from here and grab it and pull it back to you, and all you really got to do is grab it and pull it back to you, Coach Smith wants you to get in shape enough, even though it it might not happen. Two or three dudes coming to stop you from grabbing that thing. That's what he's preparing you for, not just grabbing it and taking it, you know? So 
he'll throw you through some courses or some workouts that he does or something that he did to help him. And all you can do is just be thankful. Like, I, I went through a period where we had this situation and I noticed this was happening for me. And I noticed while it was happening that this might not work for me as it worked for you. But I didn't complain. I just stayed my course and did what I did just to see, like, what if something happens throughout the rest of this process that helped him get over the edge and mm-hmm. become that champ that he was? You don't ever want to be that guy to be like, well, I do. I want to do it this way because it, it, it will, it'll work better for me. You know, you, you have those athletes too and stuff. And all I can say is to those that are like that, uh, you want to soak in as much stuff as you can. If you know what's right for you, then you know that entire in you, and it's not. It wouldn't. It wouldn't hurt to go do something foreign to you. Uh, we got a, another question. Chris says, "What coach had the biggest influence in life for you?" Uh, I want to say my. It was my high school coaches. Um, Coach Jefferson's, they were father and sons, two sons and their father. Um, They really helped me start it off, start loving this sport. And early on, early on when I would, uh, was growing up and going through high school and stuff, I would skip school or miss practice and stuff. And there was no way for my mom to even find out they were at home coming from school knocking on my door, letting my mama know mm. when I was doing wrong or which I at the time felt like, why are y'all worried about me or had an attitude about it for whatever mm. reason. You were a teenager. That's the whatever. And uh, now looking back at it, having a full career of wrestling done, they, they influenced me the most in my life for sure when it comes to coaches. Another question came in, Jacoby, pros and cons of attending a JUCO prior to moving on to a big four-year D1 program. Do you think being part of a JUCO JUCO program can be beneficial for some college athletes? Uh, I absolutely believe that. Uh, For me, personally, it was definitely uh, positive. Um, If I could go back, I wouldn't change anything. Uh, It's helped me become who I am today. But uh i would i wouldn't recommend it to anyone unless it was a uh, have to do you know because the more i would the more time i would have spent at oklahoma state i feel like the more you know more of a bond i would have grown grown with my coaches and uh the more stronger i could have been as an athlete once you get somewhere that you know is clicking and you know where you're supposed to be so I mean, I'm not taking anything away from JUCO, uh, but if you can find a place where you could be longer, it would be for the better instead of moving around, jumping around. Uh, Jim Douglas is a, a big fan of the show and he kind of addressed this earlier, but no one wins every time and some people don't handle losses well. How do you handle a loss? You, you talked about it a little bit, but I'd like to add to that. How do you handle a loss when people expect you to win it? 
because you know if you're going up against the you know, current national champion it's kind of a i've got nothing to lose attitude i can just go for it and if i lose yeah. well everybody you know he's a national champ for a reason versus uh as you talked about i'm number six seed and i'm going up against 24 seed and then you walk away with a shock defeat how, yeah. how do you handle that so this has actually happened to me before really my last year just this year uh, I'm wrestling up a weight, and I'm mm. still ranked, I, I want to say, either fifth or sixth at the weight. And uh, I'm wrestling some kid, and he gets a late takedown on me and end up beating me by a point. And uh, we shake hands, and I look him dead in his eyes because it hurt me so bad. Mm. I just told him, I was like, good match, man. And as I turned around and walk off back to my side of the corner or whatever, Coach Smith gets to yelling at me, good match, or it's a part of my language, but, and uh, I just put my head down because he like, you got the energy to tell somebody good match after a match, but you didn't have the energy to get that last takedown or defend off that last takedown, but you got enough energy to tell this man good match after he just beat your, you know what, watching mm-hmm. how I handled it is, like, I know I was supposed to win, and I know exactly what happened when I lost and where what happened where I lost and how I was feeling when it happened. So to prevent that from neck from happening any other time, uh, before I go out and wrestle, I would always do sprints just to get that first burn out. And once I got that out, then I would go to my matches and it would always remind me of that match where I gave up that loss to somebody that I shouldn't have lost to, but I still would look him in his eyes and tell him good match, no matter what was going on on my behalf, because what happened happened and everybody's seen it. I mean, it's done now. It's time to start dealing with the, the end results. So that's pretty much how I deal with it. It's, it's interesting. That whole story is fascinating because you've got some, some coaching in there you've got some personal philosophy in there you've got the the motivation that comes from losing right and and just how it it transforms the way you compete and and drives you to be better and i think sometimes athletes maybe forget that part in that you've got to go through the losses sometimes those losses really hurt but motivate you to to make sure that doesn't happen again yes for sure talk a little bit about um, you know, the final, the final year or two of, well, final year or two, the final year of your career, because you, you're currently injured. You, you had surgery. Talk a little bit about the surgery and the history of that injury, because we were talking before the show and I couldn't, I couldn't believe what you were telling me. So you have to tell everybody else. Okay. So, uh, halfway through my junior year, at Oklahoma State, which would be my first year competing with eligibility for them. Mm -hmm. Halfway through that season, uh, I tore my PCL and meniscus. And uh, I wrestled, I finished the season, I wrestled through, and then ended up wrestling my senior season without getting it fixed too, because I was notified that if I did get surgery, that it was about a 12 month recovery fully and uh I would miss my senior season so pretty much uh I wrestled a half a season 
for Oklahoma State and I was going to be done. So I decided to just suck it up and deal with it how I could. And they got me a brace, the metal equi equipment that I could use to wrestle in. And uh, I just bit my tongue and finished my <laughs> year. Just bit your tongue. You're you're a crazy man. I mean, you were you were wrestling with a torn PCL and MCL yeah, in right. you know the, the highest level you can, uh, not taking surgery because you want to get that that last season in. What was that like, knowing that you're wrestling injured and you can't really give your best, knowing that man, if I was healthy, I would be so much better than I am. Mentally, that's got to be a battle. Uh, yeah, but I like that's definitely a thing. Like I'll I'll sit up and have that conversation with myself, but you won't ever hear me like saying that's the reason why I lost. Like mm -hmm. I went out there, I lost, and he was just better that day. Or like the decisions made that day, his was his were better, you know. But when I think about it, I'm like, uh, I gave myself the opportunity to do something that nobody else probably would even thought about doing. Um, but um, I'm just grateful that my body was like strong enough to even compensate, to even do that, you know, and grateful. And uh, I just know it's only up from here now that I'm fixed. And now that I'm trans, uh, well, I'm not done competing fully but now that i'm done competing wrestling it's kind of bittersweet mm. because who knows i probably mm. would have accomplished my goals of becoming a d1 national champ but mm. it didn't but now that i'm back and i got both legs i definitely can give people a little taste of what they missed and what I, what could have been done you know so well I, you you I, you you remember the name I gave you, which was the honey badger because you were just fearless. And, and there's a great example of somebody who just perseveres through adversity, whether it's physical or mental or, you know, from family background or whatever, it's incredible. You finished your wrestling career now. And, and if, if you're watching, you can, we'll talk about uh, how you can get in touch with Jacoby later, but, you can go on his Instagram page and see him hobbling around after his surgery as he's starting rehab. And talk a little bit about what your future is because now you're transitioning out of wrestling. You finished, you've graduated. What's next for Jacoby Smith? Okay. So what's next for me is finally getting out of Stillwater, Oklahoma. <clears throat> don't, don't say it like it's such a bad thing. Yeah, It's not a bad thing, but <laughs> it's time to move on for sure. But, um, I'm focusing on moving my family out uh, to Oklahoma City. Uh, my wife and son will be moving back there mm -hmm. for a couple of months while I move to San Jose, California to start training for uh, my MMA career. And uh, whenever she's done with her internships and stuff like that, because uh, she just got her degree or whatever in, uh, in nutrition. So she's a dietitian now, second degree. But um, yeah, whenever she's done with that and that's done locking her down in Oklahoma, uh, we plan on getting a house together in Dallas and uh, starting my career or finishing it up there. So, talk a little bit about the transition from going from a wrestler to somebody who's in an octagon 
and it's you're punching them and they're punching you. Wrestling is a big component, yeah. but so is some of the other martial arts as well. Yeah. That that's going to be an interesting transition for you. Yeah. So, not a lot of people know this, but um, growing up, my brother, um, I had a brother. My dad had a kid with some woman before he met my mom or whatever, but he was older than me, and he was a boxer, a Gold Glove champ. So mm-hmm. I boxed with him when I was younger. So I know a little bit about mm-hmm. and stuff, but I still need to learn how to not get punched. And, <laughs> so um, I got a little bit of a boxing background, but transitioning from wrestling to only getting clubbed in the back of the head and moved and pushed to taking knees and punches to the face, definitely is going to be a tough transition. But um, I can still vouch even with all the training that I've got in that wrestling is definitely still the most hardest thing that I've trained for, for sure. Mm-hmm. Just not as vicious and bloody and stuff, but it's just as hard as mm-hmm. a punch to the face. Mm-hmm. Now you're, you're moving into MMA. And so you, instead of becoming, I'm Jacoby Smith, I'm a, an Oklahoma state wrestler. Now you're becoming your own business to some extent. Right. You're you're building your brand, you're reaching more people, sponsorships and so on. How are you developing that to make sure that when you do start to compete, uh, you're you're recognizable and you, you can kind of have the, the revenue and the funds necessary to, to train and compete at the highest level? Uh, so right now I'm just basically building building my fans up and uh sponsorships building up my sponsorships the amount of those that i get and have those to help uh and staying active on social media daily with my fans and stuff i'm trying to do that more just to uh keep my name relevant and stuff Mm -hmm. that i'm not wrestling or something just to help bring in more followers and so basically i'm building up my social media to help promote myself for the sponsorships that i can get for when I am on my feet. And then when I am on my feet, uh, I plan on staying in touch with my fans and stuff and just building my name and building my brand throughout that way, pretty much. If, nice segue into, if somebody does wanna reach out to you, whether they have a question or maybe interested in sponsoring you or something like that, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, You can reach me on my email at cowboykobe one at gmail.com or my instagram is kobe1423 um, so they're on the screen for you as well kobe we did have one more question i gotta get it in because i like the question it's again from chris he says what ring name did you decide on oh <laughs> that's a good question for sure i haven't uh decided on a name yet but I did do a post about this one, and the the winner was uh, I want to say, uh, blacksmith cowboy Kobe or something like that. Blacksmith but, cowboy Kobe. I think something like that, but that wasn't. That's not going to be my name for sure. Wait, well, hey, I'm I'm voting for the honey badger. You know that. That's, that's a top contender for sure. Uh, Kobe, you know a lot of people. Uh, sorry, Jacoby. I called you Kobe because I saw your. Twitter handle. Um, if 
you, you've had a lot of people help you along the way. Yes. And, uh, you, you know, you've talked about some of those influences. I'm sure there's a lot of people you'd like to, to kind of mention before we kind of close out this, this interview. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, I want to thank my mom and dad for helping me, uh, especially my dad with uh, my wrestling and my underhooks and stuff. And I want to give a shout out to uh, Pre Precise Solutions and OKC. It's an, uh, an expert owned business with uh, professional services and accounting and bookkeeping, tax prep and payroll thing and things like that. Um, if these sound like services of your need, uh, you can go to solutionsllc.com. Uh, they're the best in the business with uh, helping with tax information and stuff like that. So I just want to thank them uh, for helping. And uh, I want to thank you for having me on the uh, show for sure. Oh, my, my pleasure, of course, and, and really appreciate you and your honesty and, and just being open about what it's like to to be a wrestler in college and also kind of your future transitions. And, and of course, I wish you the very best of luck as you pursue that. And I, for one, follow you and, and look forward to doing so in the future. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Well, thank you all for watching. Just a reminder, coming up tomorrow, Ann Davis is going to talk about program education, how to train at the youth level. She's the uh, director of program education at the United States Tennis Academy. On Thursday, we've got an interesting one. John Casson is an Olympic snowboard coach. He's coached uh, a variety of Olympians to, to the gold medal. And he, now he's into mountain biking as well, working with mountain bikers. And then Friday, we close it out with a college director of sport media and a former high school athletic director. We'll talk about some of the roles that he has and maybe how you can manage your media uh, to improve either your coaching or your ath athletic image just like kobe was talking about so i hope you join us for those three but on behalf of myself and jacoby smith thank you so much for watching